2023. Rando banter. What's going on, guys? Welcome Larry to the and Doug. We are joined today uh, by Charlie McGee. Charlie, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, guys. What's happening? You're from Detroit, right? But are you from like the city Detroit or like the suburbs Detroit? So I was, I used to say I was from Detroit, but then I got called on it too many times. So my, the house that I grew up in, I would walk out my front door and the city of Detroit was a 45 second light jog away from my front door. So there, my parents made just enough money to be the poorest people in Gross Point Park. Okay. Which is, if anybody's seen Gross Point Blank or anything like that, it's like a very classically wealthy white flight suburb from Detroit. But it's right there. But a 45 second jog. 45 second jog. Okay. From the uh, city limits. From the city limits. Do and you jog into the city and then run out of it? <laughs> yeah, it? yeah. The, it speeds up. There's like a speed up and a slowdown right. factor, uh, like a rubber band. I've always assumed, like, I picture you growing up, and I'm like, you know, Eminem was like down the road and to the left was his house. Like, I thought you were oh, yeah, that no. Detroit. Marshall and I were very close. <laughs> so I actually did live in Detroit for a number of years, and uh, I lived on six and a half mile. So about a mile and a half away from where Eight Mile is, although I was an East Sider and M was a West Sider, so there's a very big difference oh. between the the West and the East Side. You say the other side of the tracks? Is that what he says? Or? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely on the other side of the tracks. Gotcha. The way you don't there's if you don't have a good reason to go on the West Side of Detroit, you, there's no you should not gotcha. just you should just not be there. There was a, I used to watch uh, Anthony Bourdain at something um, I think it was called Parts Unknown maybe yep. and he did one in Detroit it was one of the, mo- the most fascinating episodes ever you know it was uh, just showing the buildings uh, you know the old autumn automobile factories and just how Detroit started coming around but I just remember the the crazy moment is when he's you know talking to this guy you know a local. And he looks at downtown and he just goes, yeah, that building's completely vacant. He's just pointing at sci- skyscrapers. That <laughs> building's half full. That building's 25%. That building right there, it's 30 stories tall and it sold for $13 million. Like, and it, it, was just, it just amazed me how like a major American city had got to that point. But. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the city itself, uh, this is a statistic that I heard back in 2013, so take it with a grain of salt. But the population in, uh, of Detroit, if it was filled to you know maximum capacity, would be about seven million people, and the census in 2010 was 625,000. That's crazy. So it's just empty. Uh, I had a buddy of mine named Zach who would his habit was to go to the land bank auctions that they have every month in Detroit, and you can buy entire city blocks in Detroit for like eight grand, nine grand, and you own all the land. And all of the quote unquote homes that are, you know, are on that property, they're all abandoned. You know, there's maybe three or four houses in five blocks or whatever, but they're just, they're just, the city's so broke as a joke, just trying to make money in any way that they can, you know. Is that recently or is it getting better? I I thought it is getting better coming around. Uh, You know, I think the part of the town where the, the sports arenas are, the casinos are. Um, I thought I'd heard that that's that that part of town is starting to, you know, starting to come back. back. I mean, the big thing is the white knight that came in. Right. Dan Gilbert, uh, who owns Quicken Loans. Right. He came in and was a was a huge uh, made a huge revitalization push Mm -hmm. up uh, up into the city. He uh, he purchased his company Bedrock. I believe owns something, some insane number, like over 35% of all available land in the city. Like wow. he's just the, the mogul baron of, of there. He's, he was real big into getting 
um, the football club, like DCFC, um, mm-hmm. the MLS team, and he wants to get an MLS team in there. And uh, he was he was real big with bringing that in. It's, there's a there's a financial section mm-hmm. of of Detroit that's yeah. growing quite well. But he had a stroke uh, like three oh, or four really? years ago, and that. yeah, not a lot of people do. This is some juicy. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not yeah. new or anything. Breaking news. Breaking news. Ding ding ding. Uh, yeah, he's he's. It's like a Ronald Reagan kind of situation where they're sort of just keeping him in the White House and they put makeup on him for the for the yeah. for the shows or whatever. But uh, I think a lot of that has sort of slowed down. Was he the owner of the Cavs? Is that right? He, the yes. Cleveland Cavaliers, I believe. Yeah, I think that that's right. I think they play in Quicken Loans Arena. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's Quicken Loans is an interesting thing because the high school the high school that I went to, if the if the successful young men at when they when they if they choose to either stay local for college or not go to college but they're still kind of smart or whatever like a huge percentage of them end up working for quick and loans right and it's like this the stories that you hear from them are it's this wild meat grinder of a of a company <laughs> where they will just push you to work 65 75 hours uh. a week and if you make it through the thresher the crucible of like these first couple of years, then you start vesting and you get stock options and now you're a mortgage loan officer or whatever. But there's just, it's a, <laughs> there's a, so they chew you up, but if they can't spit you out, okay, yes. we'll, we'll accept you. We'll now. accept you. But I know a lot, I mean, a lot of my friends worked for Quicken Loans for X number of years, you know, if they could make it or not. And their eyes just get deader and deader and <laughs> stare it. gets longer and longer. Every Ugh. month that goes by. Yep. Right. But I was yeah. tending bar downtown. So I saw a lot of those guys, the ones that I saw more often at my bar were the ones that end up didn't make it at Quick and Loans. Yeah, sure, it was sure. a very inverse proportionality kind of thing going on. Right. How long were you? Did you stay in Detroit? When did you? So I left Detroit in 2016. Oh, really? You were there that long? Okay. I was there that long. Okay. Yeah. I I went to college for nine weeks, and then um, moved back to Detroit, and then got a place like kind of you call it across the tracks, like in on on Detroit's east side for a little bit. Yeah. And uh and just started started tending bar and started working there. And I was uh I had got I'd worked my way up to this nicer location right across the street from Comerica Park and I was making good money and everything. And then uh my best friend is getting married, a guy named uh, Connor. And he's living in Georgia with this uh his fiance at the time and they had a kid and I'm supposed to come down there for the wedding, right? And be in the wedding. And he, uh, it's the wedding's on a Saturday, and I'm working a Friday day shift. <laughs> right? It's kind of a bummer, but, like, I needed the money to, to you know, I w- couldn't save anything. I was an idiot. So I'm working for this money that I'm immediately going to go spend in Georgia. And he calls me on Friday, and he's crying, right? And I'd never heard this dude cry. And he's like, tells me the story of, like, dude, my wife left me. She says, you know, called off the wedding, got cold feet day before oh. the wedding and they have like a 15 month old son and like there's all this heavy drama right oh. and so I, we have this conversation right and we talk for like an hour and i'm about to get fired because i'm on the phone for an hour at this you know at this bar and i go to my manager and they go charlie what in the world's going on and i put in my two weeks right then and so two weeks from that day i was living in georgia with him and his son trying to get him you know through this time or whatever oh, wow yeah, ended up. There's a happy ending to the story, though. They ended up getting married. They're married now. They've got four kids. They're super happy. They live in Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, super cool. But that's how I got out of out of Detroit. That was the catalyst. 
Was Didn't take much. <laughs> no, it's just like a phone call. Yeah, hey, uh, my wife left me. I'm coming. I'm coming, bro. <laughs> sell my house, get out of there. Not sell my house, but pack up all my garbage bags full of clothes and <laughs> come on down. Yeah. No, it was. We well, saved the day. I mean. Yeah. yeah it was nice. Um, fun time. I love that family. How long? And I don't want to get too much into this guy's personal life. It's not here to to talk about it, but. I mean, how long was the break before they were like, she's like, okay, wait a minute, that was a mistake, let's... About seven months, eight months. Oh, it was a good while. Oh, yeah, it was a decent while. And then they got back together and Connor goes, yeah, so she's moving back in, so... <laughs> I know you just you... moved here to help me get the... Do yep. you mind leaving? <laughs> yes. Is your apartment oh, in no. Detroit still available? They can go back to. <laughs> no, man, uh, I was... When I was in Georgia, I was in Augusta, Georgia, which I don't know if either of you have ever been there, but I did not enjoy it. It is not a fun town to be in very small, real backwoods kind of thing, except every four years when they do the Masters. But when the Masters so isn't there, it's real slow. Well, it's every year. I thought it was every four years. No, no it's like the Ryder Cup. Oh, okay. Masters yeah. is every year, but I've heard that about uh, Augusta. How it's just a, it's a sleepy town until that until, week in April. Right, right. But, wow. Well, thanks for correcting me on that. <laughs> I, I had no idea. <laughs> the Olympics of golf. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but I was, I was commuting to South Carolina at the time. Okay. Every day I was driving to Columbia, South Carolina, go Gamecocks, and uh, working at a Gamecock college bar. And nice. then I was able to just move to, move to Columbia when, when that That's time awesome. came. And it was actually not that bad because I was tired of the. It was like an hour commute every day. So, yeah. I, like, there yeah. and back. Kind of gnarly. So I was glad to be in there. And I was in... South Carolina for like a year, and then St. Thomas after that. Move, nice. Moved out to the islands. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I noticed you show up with a Detroit Lions shirt on. So Yeah, baby. Being from Detroit, you'd be a Lions fan. Um, any other local? Do you follow baseball? Uh, a Pistons no. fan? Uh, no. If uh, <clears throat> Baseball players get to put their hands in their pockets while they're playing their sport, so I kind of, that's not too much. Doesn't interest you? Does not interest me at sure. all. Uh, maybe when I'm like 77 years old, I'll start to follow baseball, <laughs> falling asleep in between the games. But no, I am a, I am a huge Lions fan, and yeah. I, I love that team. I, I've watched every snap this year, and uh, very very excited about the direction that that's going. Yeah, the right. Lions this year are are definitely winning a games, fun team to watch. It's they're always close. Well, actually, they've blown a team or two out this year, but they used to always be close games and then would lose, yeah. and now. Close games and they're winning. Close games and they're winning, man. And we've only been blown out tw once this year, maybe twice this year. Which you know we and we just laid an egg last week, so it's a tough time to be talking right. about it. We got stomp housed in Cal uh, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Couldn't stop the run. We didn't do our our game plan that's been working for the last seven eight weeks. We didn't stop the run, and uh, and we gave up chunk plays. And that's something that Dan Campbell has been constantly about. Can't give up the explosive plays. Because he's a, he's a fiery guy, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> MCDC, baby. Let's go. He's the type of coach. He's one of the rare ones in the NFL where it's almost like you're, you're scared to piss him off because he might, he might truck you at practice. <laughs> That's right. You know, put pads on. He'll lay you out. Be like senior hits, you know. I know you've been out of Detroit like six years, but to what level of success if, if the Lions were to, you know, say make the playoffs or get to the conference championship or at what point does the city catch on fire? I think I speak for most Lions fans, or I'd like to say anyways. Uh, I'm here on this podcast, and they're not, so I'm speaking <laughs> for them. 
uh, that this season's already a success. Okay. That the switch is not supposed to be flipped until next year when we get healthy Jameson Williams. We get a year of experience with Aiden and Rodriguez and these guys. Next year's supposed to be the switch flip. So this season, even if we lose out, it'll be a bitter taste in our mouth, but this is a successful season. As far as what will light the city on fire, and I yeah. like the way that you said that. When, when are we burning, flipping cars? And <laughs> uh, playoff like, win. A playoff win. That is what will change it. That's removed. That's the curse of Bobby Lane is gone. Yeah. You need, we need to have success in the postseason. We've been to the postseason, what, once since 97? And we get clapped in the wild card every year. Yeah. And this is with generational talents mm-hmm. like Megatron, like Barry Sanders. And we don't have postseason success. That's what changes the curse. And it all stems from the ownership change. And I've been saying that for 10 years. So you've mentioned a few times about tending bar and things like that. When did you get into that? In high school, pretty much. Uh, Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. (laughs) I'm sure you already know, but I always threw parties at my house. My dad traveled about 200 days out of the year. My mom would go with him sometimes. And every single time without fail, as soon as they left the house, I brought every single person. (laughs) I invited my whole, like, 500 people. (laughs) <laughs> and 80 would come and I would I would oh throw parties God. at my house so it Are was Are you exaggerating? You'd have 80 people show I'd, up at your house? I had 85 people one time. Mostly it was like 30 people, 20, 30ish people. Do we even know 80 people? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and and that I always enjoyed being the guy that was running the party and I rarely had fun at these parties because I was so worried the whole time but I appreciated the fact that everybody had a good time in my place and I was the reason and you still kept having the parties too yeah I got caught every time <laughs> yeah. I got grounded every time uh, nothing stopped and then next me. year your parents like hey we're going away for a while yeah <laughs> don't yeah. do it again don't do- behave Char- yourself right or the, it got to the point where like Charlie just 10 people please not 30 <laughs> people but uh, so no, and that was a, it was a natural shift to bartending after that. Yeah, there was uh, a great bar that I started at called Marshall's Bar, uh, which was opened in 1917, right on Jefferson Avenue. If there's any Michiganders uh, listening in, uh, right on the not on the water, but uh, back off of a creek, Fox Creek, and this place was open during Prohibition. There were tunnels going about 200 yards up to houses where they drive the whiskey over oh, the cool. Cana- over the Detroit River when it froze over. Uh, went down the tunnels, came over and up to Marshall's. Uh, it was every bar that advertises itself as a dive bar is copying a place like mm-hmm. Marshall's. There's maybe 200 of them in the country, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? True, like, if you go in there and nobody knows who you are, every single head will turn mm-hmm. and, and look at you and determine if you're, you know, if you're danger or not. Yeah. It was at the end of... Uh, Ford plant, there was a Ford plant that was like, that was a big part of the population of the bar and mm-hmm. then just like all the old local drunks and stuff like that. But I came in, started tending bar there, worked there for about seven years. I would, I was at different restaurants and as my career got advanced with the mixology and the, and the competitions and stuff, I would always try to hold at least one, one shift at Marshall's mm-hmm. just to sort of remind myself that all I do, all I really do is open cans of hams and Bud Lights and set out the ashtrays and stuff, you know. Is it still around? It is still around. Nice. Were you there for the 100-year anniversary? I was not there for oh, the 100-year okay. anniversary, although That's I... impressive. It was really, it's really, really something. It's like almost closed 500 times. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really... It really balances uh, on, on a knife's edge quite a bit because yeah. it is a rough place. Sure. Um, 
but it's special. I have a lot of memories there. You know, it's, what's like the the most popular drink you would serve there? Bud Light. Well, of course. There was uh, as a, a regular named Boat Jim that was there, and he lived on a houseboat, and he was this grungy old half homeless boat dude, and he would drink like 15 to 25 Bud Lights every single day there. <laughs> so just off Boat of Boat Jim. That's why you stayed open. That's right. Years. Boat Jim was the reason. And he ran a tab for 29 days, and on the 30th day he would come in and pay his tab. And then he wasn't tipping for 29 days either. So he would come in, and he like his brain was so pickled that he didn't really realize that he couldn't just tip one bartender three hundred dollars <laughs> on the 29th and like have it be okay for the rest of us so uh we always had to had to yell at jim for what, what's like a typical bud light cost that's 600 beers in a month dollar fifty oh, okay so it's only wow. like 900 bucks. Yeah. And then, and then Prices haven't tip. changed since 1917. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. It's $1.50 no. then, $1.50 now. $1.50. Maybe it was, maybe it was $2. I'm remembering wrong. Ham's was $1.50, I think. I think maybe the Bud Lights were 2 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we smoked inside. Sorry to any cops. But like we smoked inside there, and that's been illegal forever and ever. Definitely. I mean, if you wanted something a little juicier, you could get anything you wanted there. It was a real, uh, a real, <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun place. Do you ever get into like the mixology stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite drink to make? Favorite drink to make? Yeah. Or enjoy both. Or enjoy. Or yeah. enjoy. Um, I like I. I enjoy making. Uh, if I'm not busy and I get and it's me and three people at the bar and I get to really play around, uh, I enjoy making stuff with egg whites. The Ramos Gin Fizz, mm-hmm. a real good whiskey sour whiskey with egg sours, whites. That yeah. stuff is fun. ROBX sour had egg white. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's the stuff that I really enjoyed. But then I also really enjoy working with, like, real high-end uh, bourbons and things like that. Like, yeah. not learning how to enhance them and not destroy them. Yeah. That was always a good time. Um, but I think the, the classic drink that I enjoyed making the most on a on a on a large scale was martinis because there's so many ways you can screw it up and the art of making a real proper martini has been destroyed yeah like in so many ways i mean vermouth is is basically unused these days there are people still shaking martinis like it's it's it that art to me is is there's a whole you could write a book on it you know people have as far as what i like to drink man like i like negronis what's in that what's that that's a three parts uh Gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth. Okay. It's like an Italian aperitif thing with gin in it. If I had a bad day at work, or if I had a bad day in general, I would go and I would order like a beef eater gin martini because it tasted so horrible. <laughs> it was worse than Punish my yourself. bad day. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Every time I sipped it, I was like, oh, God. Uh, I used to be that, a big uh, Tom Collins fan. Nice. It's the only like gin drink really uh, yeah. I've ever really ever had. But when I'm not working and I'm I'm sitting around or whatever, like I drank Jack Daniels, I drank uh, drink shots, I drink I drink beer. I used to drink uh, Bell's Too Hearted all the time. Mm. I, uh, you know, it's you don't really do work when you're not at work, and I never got really nerdy about it where I would explore it in my off time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when I got out of that world, you know, I I immediately stopped caring about all of it, and I drink <laughs> Bud Light and I drink like Tito's now. Yeah. For our listeners, like uh, I mean we. We don't go to bars drinking liquor a lot, but like, what were some of like the, what are like some of the no nos? I, I like hearing like from a bartender's point of view, what are the worst things you could do that like somebody thinks they're being nice or being, you know, I, I don't even know what the word is, you know, like 
being sophisticated, but yeah. what annoys you as a bartender or what annoyed you as a bartender? Uh, the two big things, and thankfully I don't see this a lot, um, my biggest pet peeve was people snapping their fingers to try to get oh, my attention. Yeah, that's rude as fuck. It was super rude. A little bit of clap, a little bit of shout, something like that is not okay either. But the snapping is really bad. Mm. Uh, banging your keys on the bar, another big no-no. <laughs> Do not bang your keys at the bar. That's a no-no. Um, so I, bring, I bring air horns. Is that is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, or a nice bottle huck behind <laughs> yes, the bar. Just toss it. <laughs> now, um, as far as what Let's I wish out. some people right. wouldn't do, uh, obviously splitting checks. That yeah, is yeah. constantly an eye roll situation, especially when we're busy. We see you. If we get if we make eye contact with you, like we did see you, don't continually try mm -hmm. uh, to get our attention. And also, just, like, don't order a mojito when there's 15 people at the yeah, bar. Okay. I mean, this is all real basic stuff, you know? Don't ask you, a bunch of que questions when right. <laughs> you get Or, ooh, here's a good one that I see people do all the time. Don't ask me what's on tap. Have me read off what's on tap to you and then say I'll have a Bud Light. Don't, <laughs> right? Don't, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ugh. Clearly, you can see... There's Goose Island and Big Top and whatever the local stuff is. And I think bartenders need to also take some onus for that when they say, what do you have on tap? The question is, what do you typically like to drink? Yeah. What do you, what yeah. do you narrow, it down. narrow it down? Narrow it down a bit. We got to do that. But don't make us run through the thing and then order a Bud Light. That's, that's not cool. That's a pain in the ass. Tip cash, tip cash, tip, tip cash, <laughs> tip cash. How does that work on credit card? At the end of the night, they just kind of... They dump it on your check. You don't get it. Uh, you don't get it for a week. You know, There are some places that do cash out, but they're, they're falling by the wayside because everything's got to be taxed now. Mm -hmm. And right. if you tip me in cash, of course, you report it to the IRS in full. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> no, nah, tip cash, guys. It's just a lot easier. Yeah. And then I'm going to just point this out. You know, we record this podcast outside, and, and it has been a you got to play with the elements you're given. You know, the, yeah. the game doesn't stop because of a little rain. So we've had flyovers, we've had birds, <laughs> and I think someone's cutting their grass nearby. Yeah. We had, in a we had squirrels one of the last episodes, too. Yeah, we had squirrels. I mean, we're playing through the elements here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you like the nature sounds, you're, you're enjoying yourself. With this we, podcast in the background. And Sir David Attenborough out here to <laughs> to gently narrate all the the West Florida goings on back here. Right. This is crazy. I don't think we've had this much noise during a podcast yet. We've recorded a bunch outside. Yeah. How many have you done? Uh this will be seventeenth. Ooh, congratulations, yeah. guys. Thanks. Number one seven. What got you into doing this? Uh I went to school for broadcasting, but um and I had a called the Larry and Stowe Show, like 2009 through 2012, okay. way before podcasts were, or actually ours was live. It was technically a live internet radio show. No kidding. Um, before everybody and their mother had podcasts and they were mm -hmm. cool to do. Right. So, yeah, we did it then. We actually did pretty well with it and missed doing it. And we hang out at bars a lot, or we'll, not bars, but we'll go to breweries and stuff. We'll just hit up a conversation and start talking. And, you know, I listen to podcasts, him and his wife, my wife, we all listen to podcasts like, this would be an interesting podcast to listen to. You're talking to people you don't know, right. you know, all these things. And we're just like, we should do this. And we've talked about it for, yep. I don't know, I moved here in 2016 when you moved out of Detroit. So we talked about it for a couple of years and then just finally did it. Man, congratulations. <laughs> I just pulled the trigger on the equipment one day. Duff, get down here. Let's yeah. go. 
Get let's, ready. The equipment's on the way. <laughs> let's make it happen. Yeah, and here you are. You guys are making it happen. Yeah. It's so, fun, you know? Yep. Sit back, BS, you know? I don't I know half these things about you, and you live uh, five minutes away, so. That's true, man. That's true. You know? We've watched uh, two Super Bowls together, right? Two Super Bowls together. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> that's right. Somehow you guys left and had COVID the next day both times. Uh, no, I one time. It was the did. first time you it did. Was the, first the first time, time did. we all got COVID. I'm like, Larry gave us COVID, man. What's going on? We call you up. You're yeah. like, oh, fine. Yeah, we didn't have anything. We never had. I mean, you may have gotten it from us, and we might have been asymptomatic. I don't know. No, you're Maybe. patient zero, dude. You're immune. I'm looking at Charlie's shirt because he's got the Detroit Lions shirt on, and uh, I have a story where I I've never really seen many people wear Detroit. Uh, lion stuff outside, so yeah. I, I, I'm a. I, At I least was not a, where we're from. Yeah, <laughs> it's embarrassing. I, I golf a decent amount, and I'm weird, weirdly brand loyal to Puma. So I actually bought a. It was a gray hat with that like kind of royal blue Puma sign on it, and it looked a lot like the Lions thing. Yep. So I'd be walking around like I think we were in St. Augustine on vacation. I had so many people come up to me like, "Go Lions!" and I'm like, "This isn't the Lions," but <laughs> but it, Puma hat. finally I just started embracing it. <laughs> That's funny you say that. I when I wear this out, and I have a Lions hat that I wear as well. It's it's like a secret thing to yeah. be a Lions fan. Mm. It's so it's not you're nobody's proud of it. Uh, at least they you, weren't before this season. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to think that we're one of the fan bases that when we see somebody proud enough oh, to yeah. flaunt it, yeah. I've done that many times. Yeah. I would have been one of those guys <laughs> in St. Augustine. Yo. Go Lions yeah. or an MCDC shout yeah. usually yeah. usually gets. And this enough. was five years ago. Like this is our year. <laughs> They're like two and nine. Right. <laughs> Drinking the Kool Aid. That's what we say. Yeah. We drink the blue Kool Aid. What you need? You and can he, say he was, me at, he was snapping oh, at me. He was snapping at me. Bartender. Yeah. <laughs> snapping it off over there. He put his keys on the table and started knocking. Mm. Bang bang bang! I saw he was so busy. I figured now would be the best chance. Do you like the Cowboys? My wife's from Texas, so I'm contractually obligated to give the answer of yes. <laughs> is, that, is that part of the marriage license? <laughs> it was so. indeed. Well, I noticed you got a lot of stars on you, uh, so a lot of new, a lot of tats. I didn't notice before. Are these new or? No, no, they're most of them. Well, no, none of these are even a year old. I think. Okay, so it's all pretty. pretty it's new. all pretty. Or, or no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. They're all more than a year old. More than a year old. Oh, okay. I don't have any ones that I had gotten done in the last year, but no, I've got eleven tattoos, I believe. And like six of them are stars. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but not not cowboys. Stars. Not cowboys. <laughs> not cowboys. I just figured I'd ask. I know where your wife's from, so I was like, no, no. I got the my first star was the Mario um, Super Power Star on my on my elbow here. Yeah, I was a competitive Super Smash Brothers melee player for years and years, and so I, uh, I've always been a big Mario fan. Nice. Got got that Princess Peach right up there as well, although she's not. <laughs> Not suitable for work. She's not friendly for children. She's not, G, not a G-rated Princess Peach. So. <laughs> are we'll you a 1950s sailor? I do, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, not good for where's your daughter. She's not, she's not looking at that, is she? But no, I got a couple of stars. To, and then that's the whole plan is to get more stars. Open up open up the arm. But no cowboy stars. And she, her family's a Saints fans anyway. Yeah, right? there are Saints fans. But she, had, she liked Reggie Bush, so... She liked she liked the Cowboys. Are your stars uh, Cowboy stars? My interactions are pretty close. Yeah, they are pretty damn close. <laughs> that was my first tattoo when I was just as soon as I turned eighteen, I think. Yeah. yeah. What was the was thinking behind it? None. You were None you're a star. I was in I was in Matt, college. You're a star. I think I saw like some punk bands that had them, or okay. and then yeah. Nice. Classic on the knees, elbows, or shoulders. Shoulders. There you go. Yeah, my first was was eighteen as well. 
um, got it for a family member who passed. And then my, um, me and my buddies, when we all skipped school and like partied and whatever, we went to our friend's house who lived at 644, uh, almost said his address, <laughs> lived at a certain address, 644 street name in Gross Point Park. And then, uh, he was a single mother and they were on a, a, a green card or a visa or something. They were Australian citizens, but they had stayed a while. Mm. And so she, her mom, his mom never like calling the cops or whatever. Right. And so we could just party in his backyard in a shed and we partied there for like three, four years, carpeted it, got it electricity, got it air conditioning, <laughs> like really decked this place out. And it was our home away from home. It was 644 and a half. And so there's 10 of us with a 644 and a half tattoo. So yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah. Are there any eight Lowell tattoos? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Actually, no. I lied. I think Tiff has the coordinates of that. Uh, that was in tribute to Aaron, I think. Yeah. I, did, I thought there was What's some that? talk about that. Like the latitude, longitude coordinates. So Of what? Uh, where she met my brother. So it was a tribute to my brother, actually. Oh, nice. That's actually the only tattoo I've gotten in the last, I don't know, Five, actually, twenty years. Oh, really? Was the sleeve? Yeah. And oh, tribute no. to him. So. Oh no, kidding, man! That's really special. Yeah. Where'd you but, get it done? You want to shout out the, uh, the shop? Uh yeah, High Tide in uh, Dunedin. There you go. Which I'll, I'm gonna go back for a touch up, hopefully, and okay. We'll see if I can get any more. Get the fever again. I want to. <laughs> uh, I know Larry doesn't have any tattoos, but would he get one? And and what would it be? <clears throat> I've never thought of what it would be because I just there's. Uh, like a, I don't know, zero percent interest. <laughs> Just I don't know. It's it's really like breaking a dam. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I hear. Is once you get one, they they follow. Oh yeah, yeah. they do because you realize that it's not that big of a deal. You realize yeah. that it's it it's only cool. I don't know. It's it's a very cool thing. It You're, is. I agree. There, there's an. It's funny. It's funny you say that because uh, we did trivia earlier this week, and you met my buddy Rodney, who mm-hmm. we, we did, we've done trivia, played cornhole with. Um, he didn't have a tattoo. I want to say he's in his early fifties right now. And sorry, sorry, Rodney, if you're over, if you're not over fifty, uh, but he just got his first tattoo. He's big into metal music, so he's got these skulls and you know these things. So he got one three months ago. He just got one like two weeks ago, and the second he got this other one, he's ready for more. And I'm like, <laughs> like yes. he's just like doing this sleeve, and like I'm gonna get it. He's like, all I gotta do is just keep it away from my face. Right. <laughs> like the so. only the only limiting factor really is is the expense of it, because they are yeah. not cheap. Oh, yeah. And tattoos are a great example of you get what you pay for. Yep. Your buddy goes, oh, or I got a guy. He'll do that same tattoo for two hundred fifty dollars less. You say no. Mm-hmm. You say no, no, no. I want to pay the extra two hundred and fifty dollars to make sure that yeah. it is right. And you yeah. don't do walk-ins either. Mm. That's true. To get a good artist, you got to be like, all right, they're usually booked out two months, and if they're not booked out a few months, you probably should be asking why. Right. So how did how did you end up in St. Thomas? So I was living in South Carolina, and I was living with this real t- loser guy he was hardcore alcoholic and he was addicted to drugs and stuff and i was kind of not happy there like i was just working i had this girlfriend and we weren't we were just kind of she was like this college girl we were just kind of seeing each other there wasn't a lot keeping me there so i was already kind of looking for sort of my next move but i had like no money and no real game plan it was maybe do i go back to michigan or something you got and, kicked out of augusta so yeah, kicked out of augusta <laughs> Shout outs, Connor. <laughs> <I kicked it laughs> out. Thanks, buddy. No, uh, 
I I was working one day and this blonde guy comes in and he's he's kind of he's really 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 tan for what is a, a very clearly supposed to be a very pale person right he's got that skin tone that's like he sees a lot of sun I'm like oh he's like a fisherman or something right and he he sits down at the bar and it's kind of busier and he's 20 years older than everybody else that's there so I'm kind of like all right this whatever I'll, I'll meet him I'll talk to him because all my co-workers are young and all these people are young and I'm like one of the only like bar professionals that's working there and we kind of strike up a conversation and I go all right I gotta I gotta start working and he goes cool I'll watch you which is a weird thing to say to a, a bartender as a, as a dude. Creepy. Very creepy. And I go, okay, whatever. And so I, I just start working, and now I see him watching me, and I'm a, I've been a stage actor my whole life, and so I, I like an audience, and so I'm kind of showing off a little bit. And I do some, I know a little flair, so I did some bottle flips, and I, I start cracking it out, and he sees me, like, directing the crowd and, like, sort of owning my shift. I start... I really get into like a good flow state if you guys know about flow states or whatever. So I'm really into it. It's when you see the matrix numbers coming down and you're, and you're, and you're in the zone. Gotcha. So I get into like this flow state for like two hours and I'm crushing. And afterwards I see him, he had moved chairs a couple times or whatever. And he goes, I like the cut of your jib. And I was like, all right. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. What's that now? And I go, that's a weird thing to say. And it's, it's, but it's a sailor's term. It's like a, it's like a boat thing, I guess. And so he goes, you're an extremely good bartender. I go, thank you. I, he, tell me about your history. And I tell him a little bit. And he goes, you're about as good as you're ever going to get, right? If you get better at bartending, it will only be incrementally. And I've been a career bartender my whole life. And I want to give you a piece of advice. I go, great. What is it? And he goes, you'll never be so good at bartending that a restaurant owner gives you a piece of the restaurant you'll never get ownership shares you'll never make a whole bunch more money than you're making at any decent bar right like you've kind of achieved the pinnacle of what you're gonna do right it's just about where you're basically you telling you you maxed out a bar thing. maxed ma i've maxed the stat right but the stat only gets you so far right he goes you have to leverage that max stat into lifestyle now that's how you need to that's how you can improve your life is by maxing out lifestyle i go sweet what do i do and he goes if you quit your job i will do three things for you i will um bring you down to st thomas uh, where i i have a restaurant and i work i will let you stay in my house for two months and i'll give you a job at my at my place and i'll introduce you around because it's a very insular not very insular community we'll touch on that later but it's all, I'll, I'll, I'll ease your transition if, if you want to make this happen. And I said, dude, that sounds like a fantastic idea. He goes, this is my phone number. Call me in a month or two. Because the hurricane had just hit. Uh, hurricane Irma had just hit the island, really blew it up. I'm sure uh, when you had my wife on, she talked to you about the storms and everything. Yeah. And it was, it was every bit as bad as she, as she said and probably worse. So he was off island for that. And he was from uh, Georgia and was in town for some reason or another. And so maybe four or five months go by and I, I take him up on his offer and I go down to St. Thomas. He had been there for a while getting his restaurant back up. I move into his, his place. He picks me up at the airport and uh, he's drinking a beer as he's driving around the <laughs> island, which was a little bit of a shocker. I got used to that real quick. Before you get to that, like, yeah, what up? what are your thoughts, like, when you make that call? Like, did you think, of, I mean, you, you took four or five months to think about it, right? Yeah. But what what were you thinking when that first call? I said, man, I'm 26 years old. I 
have no girlfriend. I have no, I, we had, she had dumped me at that point, by that point. What do I have to lose? This is an adventure. I always knew my whole life since I was in first grade that I wanted to be a father and ha and have a family in the white picket fence. I always knew that that was, that was the end goal. If I had a vision board, it would have been like leave it to Beaver, right? And so, but I knew that I liked partying too much. I knew that I loved what I was doing. So I said, if I, I'm going to only do this till I, I gave myself till 32. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to go hard till I'm 32. As long as I don't, you know, do anything really stupid, I should be okay. And I said, this is the, a great way to close out this section of my life yeah. on the islands till I'm 32. I get five, six years maybe of rocking it out on the island. I have this wealth of life experience already. Mm -hmm. I'm about to do so much more. That was the game plan. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Is to really kind of squeeze every every bit of juice out of that out of that apricot. Yeah, and why not? Why not, man? Yeah. Why not? Um, and he gave me a place to stay for two months, <laughs> which I wasn't going to get that anywhere else. No. And so I moved there, and he goes, "Yeah, you can stay for four days." Oh, oh no. Yeah. No bed on the couch. Uh, and he goes, yeah, I lost my job about two weeks ago. Forgot to tell you. So I can help try to find you a job. Holy shit. Four days on the couch. I had, yeah. So Panic mode. Panic <laughs> mode. Full panic mode. I had 28. Wait, did he tell you that on the phone or did he tell you that when he picked you up? When he picked me up. Holy shit. Jeez. <laughs> As he's drinking a beer in a car. I'm going to make sure this kid gets here and then I'm going to ruin him. 15, he didn't even give, let it go 10 minutes before he told me this stuff. At minute 15, we're driving through the island. I go, to, well, because I said, take me to the restaurant. He goes, do you want to go pack your bags off? I go, no, I want to sit at your restaurant and hang out and do a shot with you, dude. I made it to the island. I'm so yeah. hype at this moment. Yeah. I'm, this is like the best day of my life so yeah. far. Oh, it's yeah. gorgeous Caribbean ocean. I took three planes, little pond hopper from Miami and then took from to San Juan. And then I was like, I'm not an Instagram guy. I'm not a social media guy, but I'm like, oh, whoa, this is, this is like the coolest place I've ever been before. Yeah. I land there. I see my buddy. He's there waiting for me. I don't have to wait. Yeah. He, everybody's there sitting grumpy or whatever with their bags. And fun fact, when you get to St. Thomas, they have like this, this, this greeting service at the one airport that they have, and they have shots of Cruzon rum for everybody who gets off the island. It's the first thing that you do when you get to the island <laughs> is, cool. is drink booze. Um, there's a statistic World Health Organization. Uh, St. Thomas is the number one highest consumed liquor per capita on planet Earth. Oh, number two is like Russia. Number three is like Wisconsin. But it's like uh, uh, St. Thomas, everybody there is boozing up all day long. You force it down your throat when you get off the airplane. That's right, man. That's right. So I go take me to the restaurant. And he goes, yeah, about that. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, have, don't have the job anymore. And do you have 20 bucks for the gas tank? For real. <laughs> So I, I crashed on his couch for a couple of days. I had $2,800 in my pocket. That was everything that I owned in my life and what I had in my backpack and duffel bag. I took my life with me. And I spent, I found a condo for 45 days that this person gave me their condo for 45 days, living by myself uh, for $2,500. I had 300 bucks on me, which I'm sure I spent in like 15 minutes. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I got this 45 days and I said, all right, Charlie. If you can't make this happen for yourself in 45 days, you don't belong here. I go, this is, this is, the, this is again, the, one of the crucibles of my life. I, I, you figure it out. Figure it out or, or what's the point? No car, no taxi, no bicycle. I hike two and a half miles up down and down the hilly roads to get into a section of the island called Red Hook. 
and I just start, I have a, like a paper resume in my hand, which I later learned is like, everybody laughed at me when I handed that in <laughs> to, to these places. And uh, within those 45 days, guys, it was amazing. I, I found a job, which I held down for a year and a half. Nice. I found a place to live and I met my wife. I met the woman I fell in love with. And 45 at, days. In 45 <laughs> days, man. It was absolutely, it was a whirlwind of a time. And I, it was a very, very special time for me. Nice. I, I think a lot of great stories start with backs against the wall. Like, yeah. I got to make this happen. Because, I mean, that's, that's probably when you just find that extra gear. And right. Make, I, like you said, make it happen. Yeah. And I did, man. And, and it's. You know, I didn't finish college. I was never on any sports teams or anything like that. I, I never really faced a whole bunch of adversity mm-hmm. except for my parents getting sick. But like it was, I ended up being able to to shuck and jive well enough to uh, use my gift of gab and just ended up gotcha. ended up working it, man. It was very cool. Your gift of jib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about, you know, 45 days you're there. Like how many days until you got a job? Were you there? Was it quick? Couple yeah, was, days? Was there week? any panicking, or did you pretty much get it? Like, hey, I, I got this. Well, there was a lot of panicking okay. that first day, brother. <laughs> there was a lot of panicking. Yeah. There was there was a lot of panicking, and there was a f- fair bit of anger towards that guy. Right, rightfully so. Fair bit of betrayal. Fair bit of towards the guy that had truly bait and switched yeah. me super hard. When when did you call him to say you were going there? Because you said he, he's, when you got there, he lost a job two weeks before that. So it was like a week. It was oh, like, so he already knew he lost. His oh, he knew. <laughs> oh, God. And even, even if he hadn't officially lost it, he knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. It was not a, he didn't get yeah. surprised. He was the general manager of a steakhouse. Like he knew that it was going down. And it, was, it wasn't that he lost his job, the restaurant had closed. Yeah. And, and yeah, when we had talked to your wife, that, I think that's what she said. It took years for businesses to recover. And this is shortly after. Yes. The hurricane, so. Very shortly after yeah. everybody. There's nobody, there's no tourists, right? Right. Everybody, everybody was, was really kind of rebuilding and everybody was really shell-shocked from, from what had happened. It's not like I moved there the month after the storm. I moved there the year after the okay. storm, about a year, year and a half. Okay. And when I got there, it was about 40% rebuilt. About yeah, everything was about 40, 45% <clears throat> back. Irma was September of 2017. Yep. So you're there probably somewhere early 2019, you said? Ye October eighteen. October eighteen. Okay. October eighteen I moved there. Nice. And it was gnarly. And there was I was finding it hard to find a job and finding it hard to connect with certain groups of people. And I didn't really understand why until later. But it's all of these people on the island, all the transplants, we'll say, right, that had come from stateside and decided to make their new life on St. Thomas, they're all a very close-knit community. And they had all just gone through this thing together. Mm -hmm. Some of them left, some of them stayed, but everybody was deeply affected. And I'm coming in wet behind the ears, green boy. This, look at the water. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing, you guys. There's a, look at the beaches. Right. And so when I'm coming here trying to be new kid on the block, it's not just new kid on the block, but it's, we just went to war. Yep. And you were not on the battlefield yep. with us. So what are you doing here? Yep. Um, after a year, I got a job at this place called Duffy's Love Shack, which is a real famous parking lot bar. It's true, Duffy. Your love shack, <laughs> yes. baby. Works there. I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> That's <laughs> why he doesn't let people call him Thank Duffy. you, Larry, for doing the same. <laughs> right. 
It was uh, it was a cool spot. Real party hardy. Ladies drink for free on Wednesdays, which is as huge of a shit show as you can possibly imagine. Nice. And uh, I got that job after about seven days of the island. Okay. Seven, eight days of the island. I started so working So a week there. of freaking out. I don't know where I'm going to get money. Yep. To... I don't know where I'm going to sleep. Where... Yep. Yeah. yeah. Slept on the beach two days. That's awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> Hurt my back a little bit. But there's, yeah. there's a, there was a hammock. I found a hammock. and I slept in a hammock for two days. My duffel bag under the thing and then the backpack there. You know? I had to change beaches the second day because they don't like <laughs> random... You know, white dudes from Detroit sleeping on the beach. <laughs> it's kind of not so. Yeah, well, one day is just like, oh, he passed out on the beach. Two days, uh, you're here. Yeah, two days. <laughs> you you got to move it along. <laughs> this is a homeless person now. <laughs> so, yeah, I got that job. And then, what, the second day of my shift, my the guy who runs the, the Duffy's Love Shack, his name is Esteban, he takes, he takes me out after my shift. Shift ends, two, restaurant closes 2 a.m., Shut up everything. We're leaving about 2.45. He goes, all right, let's go out. Bar across the street closes at 4. I go, you know, I'll go out for, with you for a minute, you know, maybe till 3, 3.30. But I'm not, you know, then I got to go because I got to, you know, I'm going to sleep at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're not. I go, excuse me? And he goes, no, you're the new kid at my restaurant. You're the new kid on my island. I'm going to take you out. You're going to stay out with me as long as I stay out. I'm going to see if you can hang, basically, is what it was. And I Give said, Give you a trial run. You it, know what? Okay, let's do this. I said, Let's do this, man. And we gambled and we ripped down Jaeger shots or whatever. And we the bar stayed open till 4 a.m. Then they shut the bar down. Then we stayed at the bar till about 5, 5 30, because Esteban's best friends with that dude. And then at 5 30, the ferry between St. Thomas and St. John opens up. And there's a bar in the ferry, the ferry dock bar. So we go over to the ferry dock bar. We eat hot dogs and drink and gamble until 7.30 in the morning, right? Another couple hours. And then we take a nap on the beach for, like, maybe two, three hours. And then it's back to work. Esteban opens up the restaurant. And this is this guy's lifestyle sometimes. Hardcore stuff, right? So he takes me out again the next night. And at this point, I'm bleary-eyed like you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. believe red bull coursing through my veins and i meet my wife that night <laughs> <laughs> and that's a story i'm sure she told you we didn't even no, get into that really no no, no? and it's so, not it's not on her that's totally on us like when we had Haley on it was we had the hurricane coming oh, and yeah. and our, our yeah. whole thoughts were on what did you go through? Yep. How was what was it like? And she detailed to her like we barely even got into oh, no just we, the we taped fun the episode, living. Yeah, on us we taped it on Sunday, and I think it the hurricane was hitting Tuesday us Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. yeah. So. Oh wow. Yep. But she's the one to talk to about that man. She, oh yeah, she's got she for that crazy story. I will have her back on again. Like her sure. whole episode was, I mean, an hour plus on just. Hurricane, just talk. the hurricane, stuff. and the whole time yeah. we're just thinking, oh, what? Ooh, on the way home, I got to pick up this, that, and the other. I got to get ready for this <laughs> yeah, hurricane. But yeah. We're gonna film the. We're gonna film. We're gonna tape the podcast. Right. We talked a little bit of getting about ready for the hurricane. Yeah, we talked a little bit about her like playing music and acting and teaching, but mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, tell us about the hurricanes now. It's wild. Like, man. What's gonna happen to us? Because this is. It was supposed mm-hmm. to remember. It was supposed to be like a Cat Four, Cat Five mm-hmm. coming right into Tampa Bay, is what we thought at the time. When we were recording us. it. Yeah. Yep. So we're like, we're getting fucked. So we changed her, like, 
you know, yeah. her hashtag to I survived three cat fives during the episode and oh. <laughs> all that stuff. But That's cool, man. Yeah, That's we didn't cool. get to get into, like, we were already over an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 15, however long the episode was. And right, we didn't right. get into any of that. No kidding, man. So, yeah, you got to have us on, man, for real. Yeah. That's a fun story. Um, well, give us a, wait, no, give I, us a brief synopsis. I'll give you a we brief. Can, we can we can go over it again. Is, is Duffy's Love Shack still open? Because I think I need to get a T-shirt. Yeah, I think you do. Do you want? They have so uh, hundreds and hundreds of T-shirts. Okay. T-shirts yeah. are like their thing, dude. Oh okay. yeah, they're still open. Yes, yes, he wants. Yes. yes, we need to get that. Yes, make that happen. We'll buy it. We'll you pay got, for it. You got it, man. Here. Duffy's Love here. Shack. I'll get you a couple good ones. Awesome. Yeah. Get them here. <laughs> like, oh, there's multiple. Okay. Options. Oh yeah. See it. if you have a size fat guy too. I need one. <laughs> oh, triple XL man. I got you. <laughs> well, well, actually, the New Year's, New Year's resolutions. resolutions. Yep. What are we resolving? Go three X. Go three. Go three X. Yeah. I have a lot of shirts that are three X that I need to lose about 10, 15 pounds to get into. That's the New Year's resolution. Drop an X. Well, we did uh, our last <laughs> episode, which uh, was was our New Year's thing, and we did all our resolutions. And, oh, yeah. very nice. A lot of weight losing for the fat guy over here. Oh, very fair. Very so. fair. Good luck with that. Well, tell us the story about how you met Haley and kind of what happened there, okay. and then we'll, I'm kind of curious what your resolutions are. Yeah, Since yeah. It's, I've, uh, got a th- I've got a theory on resolutions I think you guys will like. Good. Um, so, I met, we're at the same bar, this 4 a.m. closing gambling place called Saloon, and Esteban, this guy I'm with, uh, is talking to some people around his little entourage of folks. How many days in a row do you think he's up by by this point? Oh, geez, three. <laughs> he's just not sleep. Just never sleeps. <laughs> never sleeps. He drinks a Jaeger bomb at the at Wendy Ten's bar. He has an egg timer on the bar, right? And it goes off every forty minutes. And every forty minutes, he does a. a Two fingers of Jaeger and three fingers of Red Bull. He takes a double Jaeger bomb shot it's every stuff. forty minutes. Calls it an Esta bomb. Have you have you checked in on him in a while? Is he, yeah, is he alive still? Uh, you know, it's always a question. <laughs> it's always a concern. He's probably a legend on what the island. What you didn't know is that, like, while you were working at five o'clock, you'd go home and sleep for four hours, pop back in at nine towards all right, things are popping. Yeah. And, you, and you wouldn't notice. No, man. That's what, he, that's what Esteban was doing. Uh, Esteban is a, a, literally an insane person, but I love him to death. It sounds it. His, he's from Chicago. He's super cool. He uh, he moved to the island. And he moved to the island. The reason for a lot of people moved to the island is because you can really be somebody on that island. If you move there, you can change your name if you want. You And you can be a celebrity. It's Esteban like the witness a, protection program. It is, dude. <laughs> There's people there that are in the witness protection oh, program. There's sure. people there that are running from their wives, running from their kids, running from child support, running from the cops, tax evasion. And you, 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 I met a bartender on St. John called Phoenix. And I go, That's <laughs> this guy is not. What do you see? What's <laughs> happening here? What are you hiding, Phoenix? Yeah. So Esteban's a celebrity over there. And so he, he loves it. This is his spot. And so he goes, he goes to all of us at this bar. He goes, let's go to the strip club. Let's all go to the strip club. And I, I put my foot down. I am not a strip club person whatsoever. I've, I've made every excuse to not go. Uh, if I want to see a woman without her clothes, I'll ask her politely to take her clothes off. <laughs> I don't need... Is that all you have to do? That's it, man. It's always worked for me. And so I don't... I, I, I put my foot down to Esteban and say, no, I'm not. I'm not going. And he goes, shut up, Charlie. I'm taking you to the strip club. You have no choice. You know? And I go, okay, I guess I have no choice whatsoever. And so he goes to uh, this this girl, this bombshell brunette on the, on the <laughs> kind of around the bar. And he goes, Haley. 
Haley, get over here. You're going to the strip club. She goes, no, no, no. I'm not going to the strip club. That's so lame. And, uh, and uh, he goes, yeah, you are. You're coming. And she goes, no, I'm not going to go uh, unless, you know, my bandmate goes with me, right? And bandmate perks up, looks at Haley. Haley gives him the, you know, like the sign, the signal. You better say no. And he's an idiot. And he goes, oh, I love the strip club, man. Let's go. Let's party. <laughs> and she looks over. Betrayal. I know. Betrayed him so hard. Betrayed her so hard. She looks at us one. She goes, I'm not going to go unless that kid goes. Points at me. And I go, good, I'm not going. We're not going. I'm going to sit here with her. And Esteban goes, no, he's going. He has, he's got to go. He's got to go. And so we all go to the strip club. And I am sitting there. I pay $7.50 for a Bud Light. Esteban is gone in some room. The, his bandmate is. is gone in some room <laughs> or whatever. Haley, I don't even know where she is. And uh, I drink three quarters of this Bud Light. And I turn around and I leave. There's, I have no interest in anything that's happening in this gross place called Tootsie's, most disgusting strip club in the, in <laughs> the, the territorial island. or island <laughs> in the United States, right? Horrible place. And I walk outside and I see Haley has already left, made that decision before I even did, got out in the first five minutes. And uh, we start talking. And I, you know, after like 10, 15 minutes, we go back up to the bar, we sit there and everything. And she goes, all right, I got to go now after like an hour. And I go, listen, you can either... Here's what's going to happen right now. So you're going to give me your phone number, and I'm going to I'm going to text you, right? And I go, or you can you know you cannot give me your phone number, but I'm just going to chase you around the island for weeks and weeks, and however long it takes, eventually I will get your phone number. So save yourself the hassle now and give it to me. And she did, and <laughs> that's that's that. That's history. We've been married now four years. Two was that the first kids. place you talked to her? Was it yes. in the strip? Okay, so outside of the strip outside. club. Outside, oh, outside. Okay. Of the well, strip at club. the bar, she's, yeah, that true. guy's got to go. This kid or this guy? This kid. <laughs> this kid. This kid. She's, so her first words to you ever was, "This kid's got to go." This yep. kid's got to go to with, the strip club. It, this or I'm not going. I'm not going unless that kid goes with goes goes to. I like it. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, this kid was very much a part of it. Uh, the one thing I did do to her was I lied about my age. She was. Uh, she's a little bit older than I am. So we'll get more into. All right, we'll have Haley on again, and we'll get more into. Get the, more into uh, that later. Some more Saint Thomas you can stuff. tell the grandkids. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, your mom no, made uh, me go to a strip club. I <laughs> on have her a, first date. <laughs> I have a sensitized version that I tell people. Uh, it doesn't involve a strip club at all, and it's a cooler story. Unfortunately, it's just not true at all. So, <laughs> well, thank you for giving us the true one. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the real one. They're going the to be like, "He lied to me." Right? The other one takes me fifteen seconds to tell, and is a lot cleaner. That one's a little messy of a story, but well, I'll tell the I'll tell the fake one when you have Haley and I on together. Fair enough. So you said you had um, an interesting take on New Year's resolutions. Yes, I have an interesting take on New Year's resolutions. I think that the idea of a resolution, as a as an act, as a I will not do this, I will do this, is to set yourself up for failure. I, it, it's so easy to not have it be done. There's monkeys now. I, I, don't, I think we're in Africa. Screeching baboons. <laughs> I think it's setting yourself up for failure if you give yourself hard, hard numbers to set to. What I am a big fan of is not New Year's resolutions, but New Year's themes. The theme for the year. That's kind of what Megan said without putting it that way. Yeah. Uh, if you want your theme to be health. Okay, this is the year. This is the health year. That was almost exactly what Megan said. Last year was the year of health. Really? Yeah. So that's smart. Shout outs to Megan. Um, as far as my theme uh, for the year, my theme is going to be um, work life balance. Is my theme. My theme is to stop um, stop the massive amount of of hours mm -hmm. I've been putting into my job, 
every day this week I've done 12 hour days and it's, it's not healthy for me mentally, physically, my relationship with my mm-hmm. wife and my children mm-hmm. is great. Everybody, but is, it could be, mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with them. Right. So that's the year. What do you do for, uh, for work? I'm a project manager for a roofing and construction company. Okay. How's that going for you? Pretty good, man. Yeah. Pretty good. I started off as a door knocking salesman. Is that, that pretty rough? Yeah. Because I think I, every community has the signs, no soliciting. So. Oh, yeah. We don't care about those. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, t- tip for everybody that's listening, including you two guys right here. If you want to stop 100% of the door knockers from knocking on your door, get a little sign out front that says, we are renters. Just a little one, right yeah. when somebody's about to knock, because <laughs> they so, can't make decisions. They can't make decisions. They have no money. They don't. Get it. Yeah, you gotta like call that. call my landlord about this. Right, we That's are. A great idea. I never. If I saw one, I never knocked, and it, it'll stop everybody yeah. from knocking. You know what the new one? The solar panels. And what they'll do, and I figured this out after the second one did it. Oh, I just moved in the neighborhood. I'm down the street, and it's like bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. he, he drove up in an '89 Corolla, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't live in this neighborhood. For real, for real, it's true, man. And we are, we are persistent. The good ones are persistent, and we will. I used to. It took me two and a half weeks of solid nose, solid get lost, door slams, um, before I got my first yes. And it was a guy that I had talked to five times. I would just start knocking on, on this guy's doors and have a 10-minute conversation with him about anything. I, do, I stopped trying to, to, to do the script or do the pitch or whatever. I would literally just talk to this guy. Yeah, just a key, don't slam the door in my face. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. Dude, just give me eight seconds of how's your day. What's your dog's name? Because the dog always came up. What's your dog's name? Our dog's Balula. I mean, Belila or whatever it was. And I pet Belila. And I would, I, every day I knew that I could come to that door and play with Belila for a minute. And after like the sixth or seventh time of doing this, I go, listen, his name was Guy. And I go, Guy. Hey, Guy. Hey, Guy. Hey, Guy. <laughs> from Jer- old Jersey Guy. And I go, Guy, listen, clearly I'm like not trying to get over on you. Do you want to do this with me? All I want to do is get up on your roof and see what's going on up there. And he goes, Charlie, you're going to rob me. I know you're going to rob me. I fi- uh, your company is going to take advantage of me. I go, Guy, how about this? How about if I get up on your roof and I see damage and we agree to work together, if my company takes advantage of you, if my company robs you, I will quit my job and you and I will sue them together. I go, I've been working here two and a half weeks, dude. I'm not married to this company. Let's figure it out. Everybody's told me no for two weeks. Can you let's figure it out together where I'll rob you. And he said, you know, that's about as fair of a shake as I would ever ask from anybody. There you go. Let me up on his roof. Two and a half weeks later, he had a check for like $41,000 from Progressive in his mailbox. And he was the vice president of the HOA, of, of the oh, community nice. that's across the street. And he gave me nine referrals, and I've been running ever since. Nice. Got promoted to project manager about a year ago. So I'm some retail sales, a lot of managing projects, more construction side of things. And uh, taking on bigger, bigger commercial leads and stuff like that. Nice. And then 2023 is going to be the th- year theme to have that work-life balance. Have the work-life balance. Um, I sold a big job at the end of this year, which I'll be managing for the next five or six months. And I'm hoping that my company will bring in one or two more people to take the rest of the load off of me so I can really focus on this one thing I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. 
while still making money and and I'm able to you know get out of the field a little earlier which will be nice. nice but at the same time I'm 30 years old I got nothing to do but grind right this is the time to make my fortune. 30s yep Ooh. this is Late the time 20s and 30s yep and you still got two years to go back to St. Thomas, right? <laughs> yeah, man. You gave that till 32. I yeah. still got two years to get hammered in the middle of the day. Party it up, man. I was going to say my New Year's theme now that I talked to Charlie is to live like Esteban. Yeah. <laughs> I might switch mine too, but that's going to go against everything I'm yes. trying to accomplish. So, Shout out to Esteban. Just got engaged, by the way. Oh, Esteban, congrats, congrats. Esteban. So he is alive. Okay, yeah, good. He's... He is alive. Good. He is alive. And he has the cool, unique uh, experience of introducing a, a couple that got married. Which I, I think is a fun little lifetime achievement check yeah. mark that not yeah, everybody gets to do. You guys sure. ever done that? You ever introduced anybody that got married? I kind of did. Um, and it's a really bad story. <laughs> tell it. Please, take tell a it look. Please tell it. Take a so, long time. <laughs> no, it's not going to be a long time. I'll, I'll give you the, the brief synopsis. So I, I introduced these two people, and, and I'm just drunk and playing like drunk matchmaker, and just two people in a room. I'll tell you names after. I'm okay. not sure yeah. you know who they are. They're friends with Dupe. Okay. Um, but one of his friends and then another friend who's kind of a mutual acquaintance that we know from school and stuff. And I was just like, you too. You're going to hook up. Like hammered. Yes. That happened. Larry, Larry's tried this thousands of times, by the way. But, but this, <laughs> Knowing Larry in his 20s, this is what he did right. every single party. True. But because this worked. That's probably yeah. why. So it that worked. happened. They ended up having three kids together. I think they got married, but they're also divorced now. And but they listened to you. Didn't say you two get married. You said you two hook up. They you guys are going to hook hooked up at least three times. And they, yeah, three kids. And I think it was three kids. And uh, yeah, I think they got married, but I'm not sure. And I think they're divorced now, unfortunately. But R.I.P. Yeah. To that, happy. <laughs> <laughs> to that uh, happy marriage. Shout so. out to those kids, though. How about you? Any matchmaking stuff? No. Just as long. Just his own game. Actually, my wife and I met through somebody, though. Like we, I think we probably told the story about playing softball. So she would play. We both played on co-ed teams. She played on um, Tuesday nights. I played on Monday nights. And then we had one person that kind of organized both teams a little bit. Yeah. And then um, every once in a while, they'd have a tournament. And they would actually merge two of her teams just because not everybody would play the tournament. So yeah, just one morning, I had met my wife. Actually, I think we told the story about how at 8 in the morning – and I was already hungover anyways from the night before. But somebody cracks a beer, and it's the most muggy, hot. It was a, you know, try to think when it was. It was probably in this, the summer of, you know, in Tampa. Right. And somebody cracks a beer, and I'm just like, I almost throw up my mouth just thinking about it. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, it turns out it was her. And she's not, like, a big drinker anyways, but it was, it, uh, according to this podcast, she does sound like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, and I was like, who cracked that beer? And, like, so we actually started, um, she started playing the nights I played, and I played, you know, so we actually started playing on the same team. So. Oh, nice. The woman who organized both teams was, she was. There. I don't know if she was inadvertently setting us up or. Hey, man, it Advertently? Is that the right word? <laughs> I don't know. Inadvertently, I, mean, I guess the other one. Overtly. Overtly, yeah. overtly. I mean, it's hard to get more overt than than Larry's tactic. If that's the baseline, <laughs> I mean, drunk. <laughs> that's obvious. pretty much that. You are like Esteban. Esteban killed it at softball. He like, I'm sure that he was majorly exaggerating, but he used to play all the time stateside and talked. He played in college, and then he talked about like this 
team that he played for, some McDonald's thing. I don't know if he dressed up like a clown and played softball <laughs> yeah. or something. He was a McDonald's All-American. Holy yeah. shit. No, I'm sure that he was lying. <laughs> for sure. But uh, we had... He just a, went to McDonald's before, <laughs> the, McDonald's game. before yeah. the games, right? Yeah. Uh, no, but there's a, there's a co-ed softball team that Haley and I were on in, uh, in St. Thomas, and uh, we were both trash. I have a very little athletic ability. Um, and uh, Haley was better than I was. But uh, I brought in Esteban as a ringer one time, and he was even more hammered than usual. And <laughs> that was the only game we won all year because Esteban hit like seven home runs. Nice. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, Ronald McDonald. You did it, dude. <laughs> uh, we have a, we'll, we'll do this before we end. A very common a recurring theme on this where we talk about music, kind of what people are into and oh, yeah. concerts you've been to and stuff like that. Okay. And the fact that I know none of your answers to those questions prior to this, I. Makes awesome, it interesting dude. for me. So, like, awesome. what what are you into? Like, what kind of music? And so, I've oof, my favorite band right now is uh, is a band called Lawrence, who's a, a brother and sister um, soul rock thing out of New York. Uh, I listen to new newly released music all the time. Lawrence is incredible. They're on tour. They're coming down here soon. Go check them out, uh, everybody. Um, in my, my job, my first job that I had, my father was a live sound man, a stagehand, union stagehand in Detroit. And so I was a cable monkey backstage at all these major shows. So I've seen everybody uh, in a backstage place. And I'm going to jump ahead of some of your questions because I just want to answer some stuff. The number one greatest performer, m- person who knows how to hold uh, an audience and take them on a journey is uh, Sir Elton John. I've never seen anybody do it better than him. Uh, I've seen Sir Paul many, many times. I've seen these big numbers of Metallica, all kinds of stuff. Nobody runs a crowd like Elton John. Uh, Best show, best performance, best spectacle, not counting Cirque du Soleil, is um, Muse. Muse's light shows are out of control. I set up that giant light flower uh, expanding and contracting flower if you ever seen a muse show hmm. very very cool stuff interesting um i love blues i love soul um i i want to learn how to play the harmonica i i've dated musicians my whole life i love the blues i love electric uh, uh guitars but then i also love hip-hop like i'll listen to hip-hop all day long like anywhere in particular like the people on the rhyme sayers label like slug atmosphere uh, uh, is his is his band name or whatever? I like that you're off the beaten path. This isn't yeah. other. There's not a lot of mainstream in what your your normal playlists. No, not a lot of mainstream. I mean, my most mainstream thing I would say is is probably Eminem, just because I I love I love a lot of his stuff, new stuff, old stuff. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, How was that like in growing up in Detroit? I mean, it, yeah, like he, he made Detroit like a. A focal point of mm-hmm. music when he because he just when he hit he hit just like it was like a bomb going off and yeah well the big thing was that um, everybody list everybody listened to him yeah. everybody was very proud of the fact that he talked about Detroit all the time but the people that knew him and w- were around Detroit he didn't spend a lot of time there because he didn't have the greatest time there I don't know if you know much about it but he didn't really enjoy. You know, living there with his mom and whatever. I've only seen Eight Mile. So right. That's my gist. Yeah, he was in, in and out of jail and stuff, and he was dealing with his drugs a lot of times. So, like, his time that he spent in Michigan was really not that healthy. I'm surprised there's not a biography about him yet. Eight Mile. Or a documentary. No, right. uh, but, I mean, it doesn't sound like that at all. Like, right. Eight Mile paints him as a hard worker. That's and, true. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He was he was a hard worker, but at the same time, I talked to two different people who were in locked up with him. He would get thrown in the drunk tank, or he would get he would get in trouble. And then every time that he would get in trouble, I talked to two guys that were tanked up with him, and he said they said that he was, you know, really egotistical back back then. But he's obviously matured quite a lot now. But when he spent time in Detroit, the people that were around in Eight Mile kind of looked at him as a prima donna. You know, mm. like you've got too much. He immediately started buying super nice track suits and like walking around. I'm better than everybody here. Like he wanted respect as an MC, and in his mind, he had to go above and beyond with clout chasing to yeah. get respect as an MC. And that dude had a harder harder path to success than certainly anybody at this table. You know, like I don't want to. He didn't do things to my. It's not my standards that he has to live up to. You know what I mean? It's but he made incredible music. Yeah. Uh, Shoutouts to Infinite. The uh, album Infinite is my favorite. And then I like uh, Kings of the Underground, um, which is like rap battles and stuff like that. King of the Dot, uh, really really cool uh, uh, rap battles that I like. And then, um, did you ever go to any of those? Like in Eight Mile, you know how they had that, those are like that club. <laughs> I, went to, that? I went to one. Yeah. Yeah, I went to one. And I didn't belong there. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I feel like... <laughs> it didn't belong. It was, uh, how, how quick did you know? Um, immediately. <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> I knew I knew from the parking lot that this was not a place for Charlie McGee. Did you physically get in and then be like, oh, I got to no, get I out of here? No, I pussied out. I, okay. didn't, I didn't go in. <laughs> but I went there. I went to one. But then I didn't go into it. But yeah. And then I like, uh, you know, I'll listen to what I do. I'm a huge Spotify guy. Same. And I'll do the Discover Weekly, and I, I I cruise through my Discover Weekly, and I'll like I'll like songs, and then I listen to 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 that. But most of that Discover Weekly stuff is is songs that have been released in the last six seven months. True. And so I'm an old soul in a lot of ways, but one way I do like to keep up with the kids is with <laughs> is with the is with the new music. And I was an EDM head for years and years and years. Went to uh, went to um, festivals. Went to Electric Forest all the time. Did that? I don't know if I, I should talk about breaking the law too much on this on this <laughs> podcast. Statute of limitations. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Seven years. Well, he's still only thirty, so that's true. No, yeah. I'm good. I, I think I'm good because I got out of it in 22. No, I um, I I moved a bunch of of stuff for. <laughs> I I used to be a big LSD guy. I've taken LSD probably 150 times, and I've I've. Uh, I used to have a really, really, really good connection for that. And so I was a very popular person in that circle of people. Gotcha. And um, I was a big part of that world for a long time. And I loved the music and still do. I mean, I've that's certainly one thing I've grown out of now is yeah. that is the drug world. But like... Weren't the, be- the Beatles were big LSD, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The I'm Beatles, sure there's Rolling Stones, but, yeah. everybody, yeah. David Bowie. Like, uh, it's that whole counterculture thing and this was this is one step further into the counterculture but instead of the tech kids the festival kids raging against the man like i think was maybe more popular in the 60s and 70s because they had vietnam to go against it's there's a it's and this is going to sound so corny i can't even believe i'm (laughs) saying it out loud but it is really just like a loving thing it's like we're all here together experiencing this music experiencing these jam bands together it's crazy you say that the 60s and 70s were against culture mm. when that was like the you know Woodstock right right the the first Woodstock not 94 or 99 not 99, yeah. not 99. right but that's it, interesting that you see that in different ways. Favorite concerts or anything? Like I know you said Elton John controls the crowd. You've seen Metallica. You've seen 
Right, from backstage. But the favorite uh, thing I ever went to was the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. I went to the Rolling Stones, and I saw... I that saw was one them. of my... Uh, we did a thing of most mm. overrated rock bands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, that was you yours? agree with that. Okay. Oh, really? I agree. Like, I, they, I, they both disagreed. I was like, yeah. Oh, they're, they're overrated. super overrated. They're overrated now. I like them. Back then, when they came out, different story. Okay. Are you talking yeah, about I'm the live show, or you're talking about them as musicians? Live show. Okay. I'm talking about them as musicians. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're Over- crazy. <laughs> yes, they are. Thank you. Thank you. I, I like them, but they're I, people say they're the best rock band in the world. And, and part of it, like, I'll be honest, part of it's me where it's like this old dude in a half shirt, which is like, come on, man. That I get. That is, <laughs> let's put it, let's put, let's put it to bed. Let's put that yeah. franchise to bed. Yep. You're now oh, 500 yeah. years old. Yeah. And, but when they were first coming out, it was. If you ever, I read Life by Keith Richards, so I'm very like biased. Like I know how it started and his telling sure. of it, but his telling of it is, is these guys were disciples of American early American blues, mm-hmm. and nobody had taken early American blues, made it cool, and made it accessible to the whole world like that before. So to me, oh, Elvis there, Presley did. Elv- okay, but Elvis was, I guess he was he he was a precursor to to the Stones. He was the natural evolution of mm-hmm. to the next thing. Okay. But who's cooler, Elvis Presley or the Rolling Stones, man? Like Elvis Presley, because he didn't wear a half shirt. He died eating <laughs> a peanut butter and banana sandwich. That's I mean, right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. A southern man, southern boy. Is that what you look up to? <laughs> That's what I look up to. Larry looks... can't wear half shirts, and he loves peanut butter and banana sandwiches. <laughs> Larry just really wants to wear a half shirt, and he's pissed <laughs> yeah, at all these people. I, I'm not allowed to. I mean, that's frowned upon in society Yeah, you today. should wear a Duffy's Love Shack oh, half yeah, shirt. Get me, a, get me a medium instead. <laughs> <laughs> little cutoff. It'll be perfect, yeah. man. I think I've got a couple mediums. Yeah, get him to go to St. Thomas too and sit on the beach. Oh, they throw me off that island in a heartbeat. Ah, man. They'll they'll welcome you to the island. (laughs) They didn't welcome you. Nah, they did after a while. The island is cool because, like, everybody welcomes you um, if you are open hearted. But if you move to that island and you are bigoted or mean spirited or racist or selfish or a liar, you know, if you have these bad tendencies, you will get shoved out and you'll drink and drug yourself and you'll be out in six months. But if you move there and you're warm hearted and kind and accepting, you really become part of the community. Amen. It's cool, man. It was cool. I mean, that's that's words we can all live by, man. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's St. Thomas or (laughs) be kind to each other. Get along. Heard that, man. Yeah. Oh, man, I appreciate you joining us and then doing this episode. We'll definitely, like I said, we'll have you and Haley on together, and we'll do a, do an episode with that, too. It'll yeah. be fun. We'll talk about our kids the whole time. It'll be the most boring episode <laughs> I've ever had on. <laughs> Thanks for They're having so me, They're so much better separate <laughs> on you the know? podcast, not in life. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> hey, guys, seriously, thanks for having me on. This was this was an absolute blast. Yeah, man, it was, it was a good time. time. For good real. Time. Go Lions. Mm-hmm. Beat yeah. the Bears. Beat the Packers. Let's go play, and then we got a Minnesota playoff win, which we can totally take. And then the curse of Bobby Lane will be lifted forever. Who'll be the two seed in the NFC? Lions, baby, or Dallas? <laughs> Dallas, Dallas. Be five. Be, yeah, they're in the same um, division as Philly. So, be so. Mid- yeah, you'd be going to Minnesota in the playoffs, right? Yeah. It'd be, they'd be the two seed or the Eagles. Uh, no, because if the I Eagles, the Eagles lose out, the Cowboys up, would pop in. Yeah. No, they haven't yet. They could still lose the division. This is what happens when we talk sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is I don't know anything about the, how the playoffs work. Because I've never been there before. Uh, the Lions will be the seven seed. I'm like, what? I'm like, you guys you're know, in, right? You know how yeah. the draft works, though. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. If first overall. This time last year, I would have had mock drafts like oh. ready to go. And I will say, just wrapping up, you guys are going to have an awesome pick because you got the first rounder, 
from the Rams who have yep. just tanked. Yeah. So you got your own first rounder and there's top six or seven pick. Yeah. It's number seven unless the Raiders win. If the or if the Raiders lose. If the Raiders lose, they jump they jump behind the Rams and the Rams pick goes down to like eight or nine. So go Raiders. Go Raiders. Hey, be good to everybody, all right?